Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. Do we believe for change in our lives? Amen. We should, each and every one of us. We want to talk about the ultimate sacrifice this morning. We know tomorrow we celebrate Memorial Day. But I want to just begin by saying that in our nation we have certain federal holidays and Memorial Days that we set apart for a reason. And the reason is something happened on that day or something about that day around that time that sets that day apart from any other day of the year, all the other 364 days of the year. For example, the third Monday in January, we set apart for what reason? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to celebrate his life and legacy, right? And then also in February, it's really the third Monday also is George Washington's birthday that we have as the day. It's not the exact day he was born, but it's the third Monday always. Some say it's President's Day, but really it's his birthday that's uh, what's set apart the day. And so we thank God for his life and his contribution to our American society. But then thirdly, tomorrow, May the 31st, it's the last Monday of May. Every last Monday of May, no matter what day it is, that we celebrate Memorial Day. And of course, what do we do on that day? We remember those that sacrificed their lives to enable us to enjoy the freedoms that we have in this great nation that we live in. And aren't we thankful to God for the freedoms that we have in this society in which we live? Absolutely. Well, but why do we set apart these Memorial Days? Why do we even have a Memorial Days established? Well, first of all, because human beings forget. We can be very forgetful, can't we? Sure we can. Now, this elderly woman was with her sister. They were just fellowshipping and it was time to go to bed. And so she felt the one said, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go upstairs to bed. Well, halfway up, she uh, got a little bit winded, and so she stopped, and she was just collecting herself. And after a moment of time, her sister heard her holler out, was I going up or down? <laughs> and she said, you were going up to bed. Oh, thanks. Now, don't tell me you never did that before. Did you get up from your chair and go into the kitchen and said, what was I coming in here for? Have you ever done that? Go upstairs to your closet and walk. I just would walk right up and, just, and stop right there. You don't want to admit it. And then halfway back down the stairs, I know what I wanted. We've all done something like that before, right? So, absolutely. Well, the point is we have a tendency to forget things. And not really remember things. But then on the other side of that too, we may know that it's a holiday, a, a day that we set apart. But are we really thinking about what the day really means? You see, God understood this because he's the one that established certain days that we should think about certain things, right? Well, before we look at that, look at these verses in Psalm 78, verses 10 and 11. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forget his works and his wonders that he had showed them. They forgot all about that. You realize when we're challenged in this life, it is very easy for us to forget about the great things that 
God has already done for us? It's easy. Because you're caught up in the natural and maybe the experience of what you're going through. And you kind of forget about, wait a minute, look at the things God did for me in the past. Now think about them. This Psalm 7 and 8 is talking about their deliverance out of Egyptian bondage and the things that they saw along the way. And how God did all these ten miracles that took place that brought them out of Egypt. Along the way, all the miracles that took place, the cloud by day, the fire by night. When uh, the manna came out of heaven and the water from a rock. You think about it. In that psalm, it talks about water. We're talking about 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every single day to provide for their needs. How can you forget that? Something to think about, isn't it? And then also look at uh, in Psalm 103. This is one that David had to remind himself of. You know the first verse that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all His benefits. Now, I know in the natural, you don't forget your benefits. Do you? When you go, to, if you had to go to a hospital and have a baby, and you've got a medical card that says that they'll pay for it, do you say, oh, forget about that, I'm just going to pay for it myself? Who does that? No one does that. And I guarantee you, you won't forget to bring the card with you. If you do, you'll go back home and get it because you don't want to pay it for, out of your pocket for it. But David is saying, look, don't forget God's benefits. He forgives all of our sins. Hallelujah. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our lives from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And don't forget it. Here we have the biblical fountain of youth. Isn't that amazing? He renews our youth like the eagles. We've got this biblical fountain of youth. He puts good words in our mouths so as to renew us in strength and vitality in vigor and energy. Don't forget it. So if we need to draw from the resources of God, we can do that because it's a covenant right and benefit that we all have. And we shouldn't forget about it. Now, God used this same method. Go back all the way to the time of Noah and he put a bow in the sky for what reason? Every time you see that, what is it to remind you of? I know we say the promise of God, but if you really consider the whole thing, the whole picture says what? Also the judgment of God. God judged man whose heart was evil at that time in such a way he repented for even making man. He had to wipe him off the planet through a flood. And then after the flood was over, the bow in the sky that says, I'll never do this again. So you've got judgment and you've got a promise. And then think about the feast day of the Passover, many other feast days. But think about the Passover, what it represents and what it means. They were to celebrate it every single year. Why? To remind them of what God did for them to bring them out of slavery and Egyptian bondage. And year after year, if they didn't do that, they would forget about it and their kids would forget about it. And from one generation to the next, they would lose the entire meaning of it and it would be gone. And so he said, every year, you need to do this. Every year, remind yourself and your family, your children and your children's children of what great things God has done for you. And what is that a reminder of? Both judgment that came upon the Egyptians for not cooperating with God. Because he gave them an opportunity, didn't he? And then what? Deliverance. Judgment and deliverance as they were brought out. And so God uh, delivered them. 
And thank God uh, he blessed them. But then also we have the 12 stones that were erected or set up from the Jordan. When Joshua brought the people of God across the Jordan and the waters dried up and they went across on dry land. What were they told to do? A stone from every tribe, from the 12 tribes of Israel, were to be set up on the one side of the river so that when their children would see those stones, the memorial that was set up, what are they to do? Be reminded of the fact that, look, God did this one day, and this is meaningful, this is powerful. We read about these things, and sometimes we forget about the magnitude of the miracle. When you think about the waters of the River Jordan, probably at flood tide or whatever, Whatever time it was, but still just standing there and when you have the Ark of the Covenant and you took one foot that goes into the water and boom, it separates and it's dry. God has a blow dryer that I'm telling you that just, just like that, the breath of his mouth or his nostrils and all of a sudden it's just dry and you walk across. How can you forget that? And you want to pass that on to your children and say the same thing. Look, you can't forget this. It's right here. This happened. Think about the Red Sea's parting and all that. But it's amazing that this is what God did. said, I don't want you to forget this. And I know you have a tendency to forget, so remember. Now, what about Jesus? He set up a memorial. The Lord's Supper is a, a ceremonial memorial. To remind ourselves of Him and His great sacrifice that He made for each and every one of us. Don't ever forget, He is saying, what I've done for you. And I know there's a tendency to do it. But as often as you celebrate this supper, remember me. How my blood was shed for you. How my body was broken for you. How I paid the sacrifice that no other man could possibly pay just for you. Don't forget it. And you know what? We should never forget it. What a sacrifice he made for us. Well, you know as well as I do, we're talking about Memorial Day tomorrow. So, what do we think of when it comes to Memorial Day? There's a difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day for a reason. We thank God for our veterans and their service. But Memorial Day reminds us the cost of freedom. The ultimate sacrifice that people have made for our freedom. They gave their lives. Some of them were, as we saw in the video... 18 years old, 19 years old, never had a chance to get married, raise a family, have children, and they sacrificed their lives for what? Something they strongly believed in, the freedom that we enjoy here in this great land of the free, right? And so they sacrificed their lives. They laid down their lives so that you and I could be free. Well, we also know that in John 15, 13, you could look it up, we'll look at it here. Greater love is no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Well, that's a display of great love. To serve your country, to lay down your life as these individuals did. But here Jesus is saying something also. He was going to lay down his life for each and every one of us so that we can all be free. And he was willing to do so just like these others were willing to do so. But his was for an eternal cause, not just for a temporal cause. And so we thank God for what Jesus did. So when it comes to Memorial Day, as far as we celebrate here on earth, we recognize the fact that it's a very difficult day for some people because maybe you lost a child. Maybe you lost a father, a mother, a sibling. Maybe you lost a, a close friend. And so it becomes a very difficult day. I will never forget the day when I was standing with my parents 
in the, at the Pittsburgh International Airport as we drove in from Youngstown. And we stood there. There was a place where you can drive up to and you can stand. You can watch the planes take off. And I stood there looking as my brother boarded that plane and he was heading for Vietnam. I stood there with my parents and the thing that goes through your mind is this. Will I ever see him? Ever again? Will he return? I wasn't a Christian at the time. I didn't know God at the time. I couldn't, you know, take the 91st Psalm and pray it over him because I didn't know anything about that. Didn't know what to do, how to pray or whatever. But the thought came to my mind, will I ever see my brother ever again? And for two years, he was over there in Vietnam. What a thought. It kind of sobers you up when you realize the importance and the value of human life. So to some who have lost their loved ones, my brother came back and I thank God he's alive today. But for some that lost their family member, their, their, like I said, a sibling or maybe even a father or mother or whoever. It's a painful time. To others, you could hear them talking at the office or whatever, even at the plant where they work. They shut it down on Monday, Memorial Day. Hey, we got a long weekend. I'm going to get my pole together. I'm going to get fire up the grill. We're going to have people over, family. We're going to cook hot dogs, hamburgers, and all that. We're just going to gather together and have a great time of fellowship. And that's wonderful. But that's all it is. It's just a time of fellowship. It's just an extra time that we can have off, whether it's school or whatever. I'm sure a lot of the kids that are at school are wondering or are saying, wonderful. You know, we just have this time off. It's a great thing. But you know what? It's more than that. It's absolutely more than that. It's a day that we mark the time to remember something so serious so as to one life being lost in service to our country. And I have this listed here. You saw some up there. And it doesn't matter what site you go to. You're going to get different numbers. But I just kind of rounded things off. So let's do this. It's a, a day that we set aside some time to reflect and to think about the sacrifices that individuals made so that we could sit here and worship as we are today. Civil War, over 600,000. Some say 620,000. Like I said, I rounded them off. In World War I, over 116,000 individuals sacrificed their lives and their existence on planet Earth so we could have freedom. Think about this. Just one life. How valuable is one life? Look at your family. Look at your children. Look at one life. Can you imagine the sorrow, the heartache, the pain, the agony that would exist in the life of a family member? If you lost your husband, you lost your wife... You lost your child because of war. Now multiply that by 600 and some thousand, 116 plus thousand. And then in World War uh, II, 400,000 over that. Vietnam, over 58,000. Korean War, 36,000. Revolutionary War, 25,000. The War of 1812, 20,000. The Mex Mexican-American War, 13,000. And the list goes on and on of how many people. So you imagine... The sorrow, the anguish, the pain, the memory of Memorial Day. Yes, I remember. That's when I lost my wife. That's when I lost my husband. I lost my son. I lost my daughter. So it's more than just opening up a pool and having a picnic, having a hamburger. And sometimes it makes me wonder, do we even during that particular time even take a moment just to say, let's think about this before we even eat. This is what this day is all about. To remind us of something of this magnitude, the value of a human life that was laid down and denied so much. Why? So that we could have freedom. And so we thank God for that and for these individuals.
Well, no matter what our position might be on war, I know there are those that think there's absolutely no use for war. It's useless. But as far as we can go all the way back, we see even from time and eternity, we see the, the war in the heavenlies with demonic influences in the things of God. When you go back to Daniel's time and you see the uh, Prince of Persia warring you know, with Gabriel and, and so on, that there's, there's always been war. But whatever it is, whatever our position might be, we owe these people a debt of gratitude that we're willing to defend our freedoms and to sacrifice their lives so that we might be a free people. Well, you say, well, how can we do that? They're gone. Well, we can't. All we can do is remember that they did it and maybe appreciate it and think about it. Maybe before we open the pool or fire up the grill. But you know what we can do, I thought of today? Every person that's ever served, they served with the thought that I might not live. So if you're a veteran here today, would you stand up? So at least we can honor you and thank you that we can't thank them because they're gone. But can we honor you? Let's thank the Lord for everyone. Let's stand together and give them a round of applause and thank them for their sacrifice and their service. Amen. We don't need to wait until someone is gone to do that. These others are gone. You may be seated. But we, we thank God for your lives and your willingness to lay down your life for our freedom. Well, there's another war hero I'm going to talk about now. Look at the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. I call him the ultimate war hero. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The one I want to single out is Jesus. You see, Jesus took up arms. Jesus entered the battlefield. Jesus won the greatest military victory that any human being ever won. And he did it willingly because of his love for us. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his, what? Life. Not any other possession, but his very own existence, his very own being, he laid it down so that you and I could be free. Not temporal, temporal freedom, but eternal freedom. Aren't you glad he did that? Oh, I can't wait till the day comes in Revelation chapter 5. It's fulfilled as we are there. And when John asked, was, was asked, can anybody take the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, and no man on earth, and no man beneath the earth, and such as are in the sea... No one was able to come and take the book and loose the seals thereof. And John said, I began to weep because no one was found in all of time and eternity to take the book and loose the seals thereof. But then the elders said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of David. Hallelujah, Judah, the root of David. He has prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. He's worthy. And he beheld and he saw him in the midst of the throne. 
having seven eyes and horns, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he took the book, the beast, the elders, and fell down before the Lamb with harps and golden vows full of odors. And they sung a brand new song. You are worthy. You are worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof because you redeemed us to God by your blood. You purchased our freedom with your very own blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And you made us kings and priests before Almighty God. You gave us our dignity back. You're worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. He's worthy, isn't he? No one else could do what he did. You see... This soldier gave his life, not for the nation, but for all of humanity. Hallelujah. Well, if you could applaud anybody, it would be him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And as I said earlier, he left us with a memorial ceremony. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's read it. He told this to the apostle Paul. Who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. And look at what it says. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So who gave it to him? The Lord. And he's doing what? Delivering it to them. Well, what is it? That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. You see why he wants us to celebrate? Because he knows we have the tendency to forget. And we shouldn't forget. We should never forget the sacrifice that he made. We should never forget the price that he paid. Now, once again, this affects our eternity. Not just our natural living, temporal living on this earth, but our eternal existence. We live in the land of the dying. And when we die, we go to the land of the living. And where we spend our eternal living, thank God can be in a great place because of Jesus. Aren't you glad for what he did for you? Amen. We should never forget that supreme sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, this memorial ceremony is to be celebrated for us to remember certain things. Number one, we're to remember his appearing. His appearing. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Just take that in. Let it sink. God was manifest in in the flesh. He who said the universe cannot even contain me. How are you going to build a house to contain me? Yet he robed himself in flesh. He took on human flesh. And then he was justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory. In other words, he stepped out of the realm of eternity. And he stepped into the realm of time. Where he would... Live a life that he knew he came to give up, to die, so that he could save mankind. But he was willing to do that for us. So he clothed himself with flesh after taking off his heavenly garments. Look at Philippians chapter 2. This is what he wants us to remember. This was no easy 
task. You think about the decision that he made, the choice that he made. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not Robert to be equal with God. But now notice, but he made himself in reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So we see this picture painted right here. There he is in glory, and in the realms of glory, of course, it's a place of perfection. It's a place of freedom from sin, sorrow, sickness, disease, anguish, suffering, and the list goes on. It's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place. And he left that place of, of freedom from all these things to come and clothe himself with our flesh. Why? So that he can suffer and experience pain. Become sin for us, mental anguish for us, sickness for us, disease for us. He left a perfect environment to come into an imperfect environment. In that perfect environment, he was worshipped. He was honored. He was exalted. He was praised. He was the, the, the object of worship in there in glory. He set all that aside. He left all that so he can step into this realm in which we live where he knew he would suffer becoming sin, sickness, disease, and sorrow and pain and all those things. He would become that. And also, he would not be worshipped. He would not be exalted. He would not be honored in any way. If anything, he was dishonored. Think about how he was persecuted. Think about how he wasn't worshipped. My goodness. Just the opposite. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him. Not a pretty, as far as I'm concerned, difficult choice to make. Stay there in heaven. Why come down here? Why would you leave that perfection to come to the earth to suffer all that? What would possess you to make such a decision? Anybody have the answer to that? Love. God so loved the world that he gave up his only begotten son. Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, but to lay down his life for his friends. And so what are we seeing here? Freedom has a price, a cost. And what did Jesus do? He made a decision. I'm leaving all this behind. I'm becoming one with man, not just for 33 and a half years, but throughout eternity. You know, the Bible tells us there's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. The man, he's still called a man, even to this day. So there he is, on the other side in glory. Now his appearing took a lot. To become a man, he was the word who created all things. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as, as, as the glory of the Father. So as he came to the earth, he rode himself in flesh, he appeared here in this planet that he created for the purpose of suffering and dying. Secondly, we also recognize and remember his accomplishments. The things that he did when he was here upon this earth. What did he achieve? He was here on a mission. We talked about a bucket list that he had. Certain things he wanted to fulfill and perform before he went back to glory. Number one was his service. His service. Do you remember? When he was baptized, look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 3. When he was baptized in water and John said to him, I'm, I don't want to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And what did he say? I got to fulfill all that is right. 
He had an attitude before the Father that says, look, no matter what, I am going to fulfill all that is right. And when he did that, a a voice came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Imagine this. God the Father saying, as far as his service is concerned, the service of his son, I am well pleased in your service. I'm well pleased in everything that you did. Remember he himself said that the son does everything that pleases the father. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. I am not here to live a life of selfishness, but selflessness. I am here to do and say everything and anything that the Father has for me to say or do, including laying down my life. And when he was at the rock in the garden, as he was sweating as if it were blood, he said, Father, if it's possible that this cup pass from me, but I know it's not, your will be done, not my will be done. So the Father was very pleased with his service as he lived his life upon the earth. But secondly, his sacrifice. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12. Not just his service, but his sacrifice. We're to remember his sacrifice. But this man, after he got done talking about how the other priests offered up sacrifices and all that that could never satisfy the claims of justice. But this man, who's he talking about? After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Let's remember his sacrifice. Why is it so essential and important that we remember his sacrifice? Because of all the sacrifices that were ever made, of all the blood, the animal blood that was ever shed throughout the course of time. When you think about the setup of the Levitical priesthood and all the sacrificial animals that were slayed and all that were killed and the blood that was caught and the blood that was used and so on and so forth, including the doorpost and the lintel of the house when they came out of Egypt, None of that blood could satisfy the claims of justice being held against mankind. You realize that all that we are and will ever be hinges upon the precious sacrifice and the blood that Jesus shed upon Calvary's cross and presented to the Father when He, has, when he redeemed us and obtained eternal redemption for us. Let's not forget ever the sacrifice that He made. And then the salvation. The salvation. His service, his sacrifice, his salvation. You talk about salvation. The complete salvation. There is no salvation in any other. Sometimes we get criticized. As a matter of fact, even some of the statements made from some of our broadcasts on Facebook and, you know, live streaming and all that. People get upset because you say that Jesus is the only way. And they think that you're off because you say that you're eliminating, excluding other people or their belief system and their religion. No, I'm not. He is. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He said, no man comes to the father except by me. That is the bottom line. You say, well, what are his credentials? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Those are his credentials. Think about it. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, you should know them. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What's Paul saying? I'm not ashamed to proclaim this gospel to anybody. Because you see, it's this gospel that saves humanity. We're remembering his salvation that it's offered to the world as a result of his great sacrifice. Recently, and if it's okay, I just want to share. Uh, this past week, I was up at the hospital. The medical center right now, you're only allowed to go if someone invites you to go or asks you to go, a family member. Well, I said to the individual, I said, well, these people are in their 70s. I mean, do I have to get permission from their family to go see them? Can't they get permission? And of course, with all the COVID thing and all the protocol and all the regulations and everything, she just looked at me and shook her head and said, I know, I get it. I get it. I said, well, if they're in their mid-70s, who's going to give permission? Well, they don't have any children. But they want you to go visit them. So they finally called and said, yeah, they want you to visit. I said, well, that's why I'm here. They asked me to visit. I have their permission. So I went there to, to visit, and husband and wife were both there. Um, and is it okay to share, Bill? Yeah. They were both there. And I went to the wife first, and we talked and prayed with her. She said, my husband's in CCU. I said, okay, you want me to go see him? She said, well... Yes, but yes and no, because, you know, he's a non-believer. He doesn't believe in heaven. He doesn't believe in hell. He doesn't believe in an afterlife. He believes when you die, it's it. And he gets kind of upset, you know. And, of course, he's not, he's struggling right now in the CCU. And I said, well, if, if you don't want me to, I won't. She says, well, I don't want you to. Well, then we talked for a little while longer. And then I thought, come on, this is eternity. And I said, um, you know what? What if I don't preach to him at all? But since he doesn't believe in heaven or hell, what if I just talk to him about Andrew being in heaven and seeing Jesus for just a minute? Just a real quick. She said, I never thought of that. Okay, go ahead. So I went down to CCU. Of course, it's before visiting hours. You've got to get through all the red tape and all that. They said, yeah, go ahead and see him. And I went there because he called. Oh, I'm sorry, this is for first, the second time. I went there because she asked me to go see him. So I went there and I asked him, do you mind if I just quickly share with you for a moment? And he said, for a moment. And I just said, I just want to let you know something. I believe that there's a heaven. And I believe it because not just it's in the Bible. I said, I believe it because my son died twice. And he went to heaven and saw Jesus and talked with him. And Jesus told him to go back to the earth and tell people about him and about his sacrifice. So I just want to let you know that there's a place called heaven and it's real. And if you want to go there, I can tell you how to get there. Now I can tell you right now or at a later date. You, it's up to you. He said, not now. So I respected his desire, which you have to. I said, wonderful. I said, but can I pray for you? And he said, yes. And so I prayed for him. And then I went. Next morning, I came into work here at the church. And apparently, he called or one of the family members, maybe his wife called and said, he wants you to go back and see him. I said, great. And so I went. 
And when I got to the hospital, walked, had to get through all that to get to his room, he was sitting up. And when I walked in, I said, did you make a decision? He said, yes. I said, do you want to go to heaven? He said, yes. I said, you want to make Jesus your savior? And he said, yes. I said, well then, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. You believe he died for your sins? Yes. You believe he was raised from the dead? Yes. You believe he's at the father? I, he said yes to all that. And I said, well, then let's pray right now. Amen. And I'm telling you, I know you can't go by what happens. You just can't do that. Okay. Because every situation is different. But I'm telling you, this goes all the way back when I led my would-be father-in-law because he departed uh, at the time he was you know, 50 years old. But I went to his hospital room and he was a non-believer up until this point. And there was such a manifestation of the presence of God when he was uh, saved. I experienced the same thing in this room when I took his hand and we prayed and tears were streaming down his eyes. And I mean, I don't know if you can go by Holy Ghost goosebumps. <laughs> Did you ever get the Holy Ghost goosebumps? I'm telling you, the place was like it was flooded with the glory of God. And he was sincere. And you can see that it was from his heart. And he was aglow. And I says, don't you? After it was all over, I said, how is it? It's great, isn't it? And he knew it. He knew he was free and delivered. It was a wonderful salvation. And this salvation only comes. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're to remember, the salvation that he offers, and he offers it to everyone. Sometimes we're going to talk about how to really uh, witness to people in some upcoming weeks here, how to witness to people. Look how small, one little thing, to take someone over all these years that I don't believe. Okay, you don't believe, but a six-year-old boy said that he saw Jesus in heaven. What are you going to do with that? And that just spoke to his heart. That's all it takes, one small thing. Finally, his ascension. And we'll close with this. His ascension on high. And look at the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This is talking about the glory. The glory. Everybody say the glory. The glory of his ascension. We know that he was glorified on the earth when he was transfigured with Peter, James, and John. We know uh, that when he was raised up from the dead, he was raised up by the glory of the Father. But we also know that he was the exact representation of God Almighty himself because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And now he said, now that I've done your work, glorify me with the glory that I had with you from the beginning. And this was his coronation. And when he got there in glory, praise God, he received back all that he had left behind when he came to the earth. The ascent, the glory of his ascension, praise God, he is right now reinstated, restored to the position that he had. And all heaven and earth bow to him. You talk about the glory of his ascension. And then there's the grace of his ascension. And this is something that we should marvel at and just relish. Every single one of us. Hebrews 7.25, look at what it says. Wherefore he is also able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high, representing us as our great high priest. He is ever making intercession for us to do what? To save us to the uttermost.
The grace of it is this. The grace of God is offered at the right hand of God because of Jesus, full of beauty and grace. The grace of God is found in Jesus Christ. This is the glory of His ascension. This is His high priestly ministry. This is when you go before the throne and you say, Father, He's right there saying, Listen, Father, they've got a need down there. We experience the grace of God by entering into it. How? By faith. By faith, we access the grace of God. And Jesus, praise God, because of His ascension, enables us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in every time of our need. So there's the glory of it. There's the grace of it. Isn't it good to know that you've got a friend in a high place? I'm not talking about up in an airplane in the sky. I'm talking about at the right hand of the majesty on high. You've got a friend in heavenly places. You've got a high priest that's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. And when you go to him, he goes, I can empathize with you because I've been through it for you. I know what you're going through. And finally, the gravity of it. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, look at verse 11. This is his ascension on high. And the angels came as the uh, people that were there watched him ascend on high, as the apostles were there. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, here, what's he talking about? He's talking about the gravity of it, meaning that because he went back, he's, he's certainly alive and he's not just dead like someone, people want to think that he's dead, no longer exists. Oh, no, no. Our leader is not dead. We serve a living God. He's alive. He came and said, Behold, I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave, right? That's what he said. I'm alive. Look at me. What does that mean to us? That means he's coming again in the rapture of the church. And every single one of us should have our heads up high looking for our redemption drawn nigh. It's getting closer and closer every single day. He is coming again to take the church out of here. Praise God. To rapture us out of here so we don't have to suffer the wrath of Almighty God. What is poured out upon this earth. But then also it means his second coming. He's coming in his second coming at the end of the seven year tribulation period. He is coming again. And when he comes, he's not coming as a tiny little baby, as an infant born in the manger, you know, where he's going to have to grow and that sort of thing. No, no. He's coming riding on a white horse with a sharp two-edged sword in his hand, a vesture that's dipped in blood, praise God, in a name that no other of us know. He is coming again as our warrior, as our warring king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to deliver Israel from all the 200 million man army in the east coming to destroy and wipe them off the planet. Whew. Wow. Talk about a warrior. <laughs> Give Him praise this morning. Hallelujah. So let's not forget tomorrow to honor the memory of those that sacrificed their lives. Not just to eat your burger or your hot dog or open up your pool. But maybe before you do it all, just stand there with them and just say, Father, thank you. I remember the fact that freedom isn't cheap. It costs people lives and shed blood. And that's why we have this day to reflect and to think about it. But then secondly, let's not forget to honor the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice. The one who could only die the death that he died and offer the blood that he offered. Mm -hmm. And let's thank him constantly.
let's remind ourselves it's because of him we live and move and have our being. Let's all stand together before the Lord.